There was an idea. To bring together two remarkably geeky people. To see if their podcast could become something more. So that when fellow geeks needed us, we could bring them geeky content. In a way, other podcasts never could. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Geek So To Speak podcast. My name is Shaf. I'm here in sunny Phoenix, and it's getting very sunny. The temperatures are rising as we speak. Thankfully, the AC is blasting on me. And also, thankfully, I'm with my co-host on the line. Let me introduce you to the wonderful, the amazing Wonder Rob. Hey, everybody. I almost burped right at that moment. I shouldn't be drinking soda when we you record. You should have burped. That would have been a good thing. These people don't want my burps in their ears. Uh, that's that's what I heard. We did a we did a little poll the other day, and they they were like, "Not enough burps on this podcast." No, no, my burps are special. They're for your ears. Oh, good thing I recorded them separately. Oh, dang. You, <laughs> I always want to make sure I get good material. I could kind of, kind of just hold on to it, make it good for an outtake some somewhere down the line. Yeah, maybe there'll be a post-credits <laughs> burping. That's right. That's right. Well, uh, Shaf and Wonder Rob, that's us. And what we do is we meet once a week and we talk all things geek. I didn't mean to rhyme there, but it certainly happened pretty amazingly. Um, we are your source for all things geek related. And uh, this week is no exception. Uh, we are actually foregoing our typical format. Usually you're going to get a solid bit of geek news from us. Uh, and uh, we'll just fill you in on all the details. But this time around, in honor of uh, sort of a special episode, because we sort of changed our, our release schedule up to align better with Avengers Endgame, the 22nd movie in the MCU. Uh, we are going to be reviewing that today. We both saw it a total of two times each. We saw it in regular cinema, and we also uh, decided to fork over uh, a pretty penny and saw it in the IMAX 3Dizzle. So we're going to talk about this movie the entire way through. Prepare yourself, people, for some massive spoilers coming at you in the near, near future. If you haven't seen it yet, this is not an episode that you're going to want to listen to right away because you don't want to be spoiled. We don't spoil the end game for you. But if you've seen it, 
now it's time for us to talk about it. Wonder Rob. Hey, I imagine they've seen it already because the movie made $350 million domestically this week. Smashing records. Insane. 1.2 billion worldwide. That's nuts. That's a lot of, like my, my man, Michael Scott, that's a lot of guacamole. (laughs) <laughs> now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm, I'm probably wrong, but didn't Infinity War gross like $2 billion total? Uh, you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and say $10 billion. $10 billion. $10 billion total. We're going to look it up. Let's, uh, let's yeah. I'll, are you looking it up? I'll look it up. We'll both look it up. We'll let's look see it up and see who goes first. By the way, for those that don't know, while we're looking things up, we use Google oftentimes. And if, you're, if you have Google and you haven't done this yet, you need to type in Thanos into the Google search bar. And then in the top right-hand corner, there's going to be the infinity gauntlet. Make sure to click on it. He's going to do a snap and you're going to see your search results start to disappear. They're going to turn to ash. The snapping is going to happen and you're going to end up with less results than you started with. It's pretty amazing. Um, It's well worth your five seconds to experience that. Speaking of five seconds, that's about how fast I got those grosses in in front of us. Domestic Infinity War made $678 million, uh, plus foreign, a uh, billion $369, equaling worldwide $2.048 billion, jillion, trillion guacamoles. <laughs> So what we're saying basically is that in the first weekend, in the opening weekend, Endgame has almost grossed as much as Infinity Wars total run. And uh, yeah, worldwide. Worldwide. That's nuts, man. That is so nuts. Well, they got our money. Yeah, they sure did. <laughs> There's nothing left we can do about it. I like to think that I contributed out of that whole number. I mean, $40 is mine. So you're welcome, Marvel. Yeah. Well, Avengers drain the hell out of me. I'm like on, <laughs> I'm going to start trading gift cards with people just so I can get gas. Uh, <laughs> I'll be walking to work if I'm not careful. It's oh. going to be a rough week for Jimbo. <laughs> worth it. Worth it though. It's so worth, worth it. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're going to dig into this episode uh, one more time with that spoiler alert. Uh, we totally condone the fact that we do not spoil this for people. So uh, this is your chance to go ahead and click pause, listen to one of our previous episodes, and then come on back to this one if you haven't seen it. But if you have seen it, then we encourage you to stick with us because we're going to talk all things Endgame starting right now. One of our favorite things to do is review movies, TV, and games. Real quick, if you go back and listen to a previous episode because you haven't seen Endgame, I'm just going to pull one out of my head. Go listen to the... Why don't you go and listen to the Red Dead Redemption 2 episode? Because that's a classic. That is a good one. That's a really... That's, that's a, my suggestion. A popular. That's a fan favorite. Uh, we've got a lot of positive feedback about that episode, so please check that one out for sure. Or I guess the Infinity War. <laughs> Maybe I should have suggested the Infinity War episode. <laughs> Either well, one. For those that have have been with us for a while now, they know that uh, Marvel is something we definitely kind of, it finds its way into pretty much every episode somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, this episode, it's nicer that we have an actual topic to make Marvel the main feature because we pretty much, it ends up being a feature no matter what we try to do. So, um, so Avengers Endgame opened up this weekend, this past weekend, 
And uh, we changed our re- release schedule to accommodate for it. And, uh, you know, I saw it, uh, we both saw it on Thursday, basically the preview night. And we saw it within 15 minutes of each other as far as our start times. And we braved the three-hour uh, three hour movie. And then we saw it again in the IMAX 3D on Saturday as well as Sunday. And gosh, um, let's just first get into overall impressions. Wonder Rob, I want to let you go first on this one. I'm dying to hear what you thought. One thing, uh, before, I, before I have you do that, uh, Wonder Rob and I have a really cool thing. Uh, back and forth, we use this app. It's kind of outdated now, but we still use it because it's really good for our ability to have conversations without necessarily phone calls, which can be inconvenient at times. So we use an, uh, an app called Voxer. And it's kind of like a walkie-talkie app. And so back and forth, we're like sharing like what we, you know, our thoughts throughout the week. We're talking about the podcast. We're just talking about friendship. And uh, yeah. we're definitely talking about Avengers Endgame. And we didn't want to spoil um, any like good banter or conversation about Endgame. So we like danced around this topic so much this past, uh, these past <laughs> few days on Voxer. And so now I'm dying to hear what Wonder Rob thinks about this movie. So Wonder Rob, go for it. Tell me your overall impressions. It was all right. (laughs) (laughs) No, I loved it. 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 It's gold, Jerry. Gold. It's gold, Jerry. I I have to agree with you. I absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was um, quite the, the experience to see it. Of course, you know, Marvel Studios had laid out their phase three plans way, way back before even Age of Ultron was in theaters. And so we'd been looking forward to Infinity War part one and part two, now Endgame for years now. I remember even the day they announced their phase three lineup, like talking to you and going, man, can you believe it? They're making a Doctor Strange. They're making a Black Panther. Oh, I can't wait for the Inhumans. (laughs) That's going to be so good. But now it's it's come and gone. Phase three is over. Well, I mean, the main story of phase three is over if you don't count Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, or excuse me, Spider-Man Far From Home. More like an epilogue to the events of Endgame. But man, when I sat down in the theater, I just kept thinking to myself, man, after tonight, it's just going to be over, man. All this, all this anticipation, all the talks, all the fun theorizing, it's done, man. What are we going to look forward to next? And well, yeah, the movie did not disappoint. I'll just tell not. you, it did not disappoint. And, th- and that's one thing about Marvel too, is that uh, Kevin Feige has gone on record. He's like, we're not sharing anything that's happening after Spider-Man until Spider-Man is out. Like, we're not going to go into phase four. We're not going to tell you what phase four is going to be like. We have some ideas. We know there's going to be potentially a Black Widow movie. We know there's going to be an Eternals movie, uh, Doctor Strange 2, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Um, Shang-Chi is going to also make his uh, MCU appearance for the first time. And uh, and I'm sure there's other stuff planned. But... um, with this, this is the culmination of everything. In, in many ways, the way I can best describe Endgame is it's the sequel to every other movie. Yeah, that's true. It, it's, it's, it's billed as like an Infinity War sequel, but it really is. It could be Iron Man 4. It could be Captain America 4. It could be, you know, Doctor Strange 2 or whatever. Like it, all, it could be every character's solo adventure sequel because it does so much for every character. <laughs> and satisfies so much in the way of storylines and, and story arcs and everything. Um, 
I saw this article and it had a headline and it, it basically referred to what Endgame was by this article, but I had already said this to someone. And so I'm going to take credit for saying it. It's not the article. <laughs> that. Uh, so I, this is all me. But I said that Endgame to me felt like the ultimate love letter that Marvel could ever hope to give its fans for 11 years of just loyal fandom. And, uh, and they just succeeded in every way possible. I think it is, it is an epic, epic, epic conclusion. And I loved it every second of the way. That's a good way to put it. You should, uh, you should go knock on that publication's door. Demand a little of <laughs> that ad revenue. That's right. I would like a cut of the credits. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, what did you think? What did you think, Shaw? Did you also think it was a love letter to every Marvel fan? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, I did. I I, I walked away. It's such a weird thing because like, you almost didn't want the movie to end. First of all, for everybody that's like, it's three hours. It's three hours. I have to go to the bathroom. I can't make it through this. It's too long. It is not too long. In fact, I can't even believe that three hours went by so fast. It's very well paced. It does get a little slow in certain sections upon rewatching, but not any more than Infinity War does. Um, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, There's one yeah. part in particular where I was like, okay, this is the, the boring part. <laughs> but the pacing overall, I really felt like it clipped. They had to accomplish so much. They had to cover so much terrain. I mean, to take, uh, and we'll get into the plot here, but to take what they were planning on doing and what, <laughs> what took so many movies to acquire these, uh, these stones and then what they were going to do with them within one movie, like, that's just amazing. So there was a lot of ground they had to cover. Um, and so I guess let's just get into the overall plot. Um, yeah, let's get into that meat. <laughs> so uh wonder rob um I, I think it's gonna be a tough thing for us to go over the entire plot but let's go through some of like the high level stuff um that, that you can remember and i'll kind of chime in on what i recall as stuff okay well i i just walked out of the movie and sat down in front of this computer so i'm pr it's pretty fresh in my mind so <laughs> i think i can i think i can take the reins on starting from the beginning and working to the end and then if we forget anything we forget anything but i don't think we will because we're geeks so to speak that's right that's what we do we speak about being geeks dang okay <laughs> so movie opens up with a scene on hawkeye's ranch so you got your boy hawkeye uh who we love to make fun of showing his daughter how to shoot an arrow and they're having a nice little family picnic. The wife uh, suggests a very ludicrous hot dog recipe. Uh, mayo hot dogs. Yeah. Nobody likes mayo hot dogs. <laughs> That's gross. Unless you're weird or from Canada. Either one is fine though. Uh, and of course, He's teaching his daughter how to shoot an arrow. He turns and looks at his wife and says, mustard dogs, please, looks back, and his daughter's gone. And then he turns around again, and his whole family's gone. Now, again, I saw this on opening night, and Shaf saw this on opening night, so I'm sure you experienced the same thing I did, Shaf, in the sense that when you see the dust from his daughter going away, the audience going... <gasps> Oh yeah, there was a very audible gasp, very audible gasp. Gasp. And by the way, I don't want to like 
you know, to my own horn, but I fucking called it. I said it in a previous episode that the movie would begin on his ranch and his family would get fucking dusted. So you're welcome, fans. I pretty much called that one. This guy loves to spoil movies. He just loves it. <laughs> loves to spoil. Um, but yeah, I definitely had a very rowdy audience. Actually, when when the when her excuse me, when his daughter vanished, there was a person sitting uh, behind me to my left. And when she vanished, the audience gasped, but this guy behind me went fuck <laughs> really loud. and he had a lot more of uh, these chime-ins throughout the whole movie <laughs> and i remember him perfectly um so hawkeye's family is dusted he's been dusted and then of course you get the the marvel logo the marvel uh sort of stinger here and then we cut into the movie now I just had a brain fart of what happens next. Uh, we open up with um, uh, Tony Stark and Nebula on the Benatar, yes, and they're playing right. uh, football. For, what are the, the little like flick football? Yeah, thing. just yeah, whatever. That, I don't know where they got that like sort of metallic sort of paper. It's probably the tin foil from um, I think Nebula's panties. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's a no robot doubt. What, no doubt. why would she have cloth underwear it's obviously tinfoil i liked that scene actually i like the little interaction uh they had uh especially when nebula won <laughs> just the look on her face like that's right i'm a warrior <laughs> well yeah it's, it struck me as like you know knowing the history that she has with gamora she probably never won, you know, and she has no idea what it's like to have fun for the sake of fun, like without the consequence of having your fucking body mutilated and turned into mechanical parts. Um, so to play that with Tony and, and to actually win, which he probably let her win. Um, it, it was just fun to see her sort of react in a, in a very uh, surprising way. I, I thought I was very impressed with Karen, uh, Gillen's is that how you pronounce her last name? Could uh, be. Yeah, with her just resolve throughout that scene. She she never once broke character. She was very solid nebula. I dug it. Yes, yes, yes. And then of course you get a very heartfelt scene of Tony Stark speaking into his helmet, sending a message to his love, Pepper Potts. Of course, he doesn't know if he's actually gonna get that message to her in any sort of uh, way, shape, or form, but he does it anyway. Very heartfelt speech. And he is slowly fading into eternity. Uh, I didn't notice it the first time, but I noticed it the second time how emaciated he was. And that's yes. Oh my gosh. You don't, you don't notice it until he's like at the Avengers headquarters. But like, I didn't even, I didn't notice it in that scene. But the second time I was like, oh geez, look at this guy. So that's one instance where clearly the trailer didn't really give us that. So um, they were very careful in the movie trailer that showed that scene of him talking to Pepper Potts through the little Iron Man helmet. And he doesn't look emaciated. He doesn't look, you know, sort of like sunken eyes or where he doesn't even have like any like muscle uh, definition anymore, like sunken in chest or anything like that. He just looks like, Robert Downey Jr. in that. So we never thought that it was that he was that far gone, but he had already spent 22 days on the Benatar without really access to solid uh, nutrients of any kind. And they had run out of air or life support and the food and the rations were all pretty much out at that point too. So um, he looked, he looked bad. 
he did have a bag of snacks <laughs> at one point that he tried to feed Nebula, and Nebula's like, I'm a robot. <laughs> oh, see, I didn't take it that way. I thought that she was like just being nice and like, you know what, you, you need it more than I do because I don't need as much actual food. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the way I interpreted it too, but I just, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm a robot. You eat this. I don't need as much. You as know food. that I don't eat, right? <laughs> I gave you the aluminum foil for my underwear. You know. <laughs> what we're like. Um, and then just when all seems lost, Tony Stark is about to close his eyes and just fade away into the darkness. Uh, a very bright light comes up over his ship. And who is it? None other than Captain Marvel. Um, that was again at my very first, my very first viewing a slight disappointment just cause there's no like, explanation. Yeah, but then I after the movie, I'm just going to sort of cut back to after I was walking out of the movie, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about that mid-credit scene from Captain Marvel where they find the pager and they're in the Avengers headquarters not knowing what happens and then Captain Marvel shows up, you know, and says, where's Fury? And I was like, that scene's not even in the movie. And I, I figured it was like during the, the stinger for Ant-Man where they showed a small clip from Captain America Civil War, which was also in the movie. And so I figured that would be in the movie, but of course it wasn't. But I guess the timeline would be the Avengers found the, they found the pager, Captain Marvel comes, they say Tony Stark's in space somewhere, and then she goes and rescues it. This is the best I can put it Uh Yeah, I'm kind of on that page, although I want to say that I don't think it's a coincidence, or at least I don't like the idea of it just being a coincidence. No, no, and, and you're right. I think we do have to take a certain amount of a leap of faith here, but I actually think that perhaps his messages were coming through to Pepper, and Pepper already being at Avengers base or being in contact with the Avengers headquarters when Captain Marvel came to uh, and responded to that uh, to the signal, to the pager, then they informed based on what Pepper had gotten that they were on the Benatar. And so she knew where they would have been or generally where they would have been. And so, cause it's not, I mean, space is a fucking huge place. Like she can, like Captain Marvel can just like fly anywhere and just find a, a, a lonely vessel. Like she knew where she was going. So mm. I feel like there was more to it that, to that, but I feel like, they wanted the reveal of Captain Marvel to be so dramatic with that like glowing light, almost like an angel is coming to save Tony type thing. And, um, and so they kind of for, for, uh, for went, that's not a word. They decided to, it could be, let's make it a word. <laughs> they forewent the explanation on that. And I guess it worked. Um, we were able to make that, that leap of faith on that. So that was, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I made peace with it after I walked out of the movie. Yeah, it felt a little bit of a day ex machina type God machine situation where just the right time, save the day situation. Um, but that's kind of how they how they use Captain Marvel because <laughs> she's so overpowered. Yes, she she's pretty OP as some some really interesting examples later in the movie. So from there, uh, Tony Stark gets brought back to Earth. Of course, he's emaciated and he sees Steve Rogers and immediately gets into an argument with him because what else did they do but fight with each other about how the Earth needed a shield and everybody died or half the population died and you fucked up, Steve. Steve, you messed up. 
Do you think that he was justified for that outburst? I personally don't. I don't think he was justified for that outburst, but I don't find it out of character for him to do that. Yeah, because, I mean, first of all, Tony wouldn't have necessarily known how much Cap was a part of the Battle of Wakanda or saving Scarlet Witch and and Vision uh, when they were in Germany or whatever. Like, uh, He was the last stand against Thanos in the Battle of Wakanda. He was the last one Thanos knocked out before he went after. It's not like Cap just sat on his fucking thumbs, you know? Like, I, I just think Tony thought that he was the only one, like doing the the hard thing like like really facing thanos one-on-one which he did of course but he certainly wasn't the only one and i think that you're right he probably was that's a very characteristic tony stark move but i I feel like it was it it didn't feel i guess what i want to say is that it was rude (laughs) yeah but he was almost dead I mean, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's he's delirious. He's got like no food, no uh, no water. Um, he's like basically on death's door. Yeah, so you're right. He that's he's not going to be his best. He's not going to say his best things. Um, which leads to the first item on my wish list that I wanted to see in Endgame come true, which was Tony Stark interacting with Rocket. <laughs> it's just a very small, brief. What is that moment? but I loved it where he says, Oh my God, this whole time I thought you were a builder bear. Like it's exactly what I wanted. I just wanted to see what would Tony Stark say to a talking raccoon. I finally got it. (laughs) That got a big laugh in the theater. That was a really great moment. Oh yeah. It's lots of, lots of things got laughs. Um, And so ultimately everybody decides they are going to go get Thanos, but how are they going to find Thanos? Well, luckily Rocket is an expert in the power signature of the stones. He said, and I'm paraphrasing here, I almost, should I go into my rocket impression? Do it. (laughs) My hands won't scan. Yours will. Oh, wait, that's the ride. (laughs) ride. Oh, man. I love that ride so much. (laughs) But (laughs) I'm going to forego the impression. But Rocket is able to determine where the infinity stones were used last, which is on this garden planet uh, where Thanos had used the power stones two days earlier. And Captain Marvel says, I'm going to go get them. And the rest of the Avengers say, what about us? And then they all get into a spaceship. And one of my favorite throwaway moments is when Rocket says, okay, who, who has never been in space before? <laughs> and Captain America raises his hands so sheepishly. So does uh, War Machine and uh, Black Widow. It's like, you guys better not throw up in my ship. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. That line made me laugh really hard. And then they make Rocket their way. Good, Rocket has a lot of good lines, by the way, throughout this entire movie. He, they give him some of the best material. Yeah, I'm glad that they didn't sort of um, go back on his character because they said that, you know, characters that were that had a good highlight in Infinity War were going to sort of take the back seat. Yeah. And end game and vice versa. So I thought, okay, we're not going to get a whole lot of rocket, but we still got, I think about the same amount in both movies. And we, uh, we like rocket. That's a, uh, that's what's on our podcast flag. Actually it says, so to speak, we like rocket. So, <laughs> uh, they make it to Thanos's planet where Thanos is just peacefully farming his weird little 
they look like butt plugs. Like, I don't know what those <laughs> plants are, but <laughs> they look like something that he uses in his private time. Um, and immediately, immediately gets ambushed by Captain Marvel and the Avengers. Uh, now, this was a very interesting moment for the crowd, at least in my, my viewing. So they ambush Thanos, they pull his arm, and uh, Thor immediately chops his hand off. And the audience in my theater went, whoa! <laughs> on that one. And come to find out that Thanos, he destroyed the Infinity Stones. Yeah, so he, used, they, he used the gauntlet one more time while he was on that garden planet and destroyed the stones with the stones. Yes, and he says he says one a line that he says actually twice in the movie, or maybe he says it three times, but twice for sure, where he says, I am inevitable. Mm-hmm. Like, I love it. I love Thanos so much. And he's just essentially explaining to them, it's done, it's over. Nothing can be done about this. I destroyed the time stones. And... Thor immediately chops his head off. <laughs> I went for the head. You should have. My audience went bananas at that moment. Like, whoa, the guy behind me, my back right, or excuse me, my back left, he went for the head <laughs> before Thor even could say it. He went for the head. And then Thor immediately says, I went for the head. It was like, <laughs> was he like some like Cholo? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the way, I the way he said that, the way he was like, he went for the head. He went for the head, Holmes. No, that's, <laughs> that's profiling. I don't know. I don't know what he looked like, but he definitely had a very, a very, um, Oh, what's the, what's a good word to describe it? He very had a, just a very enthusiastic way of speaking. <laughs> put it that way. Uh, but if my accent changes in my several impressions of him, because he went off a lot of times. <laughs> I apologize. But that moment was nuts. How was it in your theater when Thanos got Oh, yeah. We were so into off? it. Uh, so I saw, the first time I saw it, we saw it at the Alamo Draft House. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I saw it with geek, so to speak, contributor and occasional uh, guest speaker, uh, Roadrunner Robert. And uh, so shout out to Roadrunner Robert. Uh, But we were just in shock because what you don't don't expect is that the villain of the movie gets fucking murked within the first 20 minutes. Immediately. Immediately just gets taken down. I was like, oh my God, where the fuck do we go from here? Like, what what's the rest of the movie about? (laughs) And it was a shock for me in particular, because I was convinced, and we had spoken about this on the show before, that since the the news came out, that was mostly true, that the footage in the, the trailer was supposedly from the first 20 minutes of the movie, including a scene of Captain America tightening his shield and looking bloody and battered. So I I was under the assumption that they were going to go find Thanos within the first 20 minutes and just immediately get their asses handed to them. Somebody was going to die. Captain America was going to die. Thor was going to die. Iron Man was going to die or something. And then that was going to trigger sort of the time travel aspect of the story. Of course it didn't, which I think made the shock or that moment even better. Cause like, I don't, nobody was expecting it. Nobody was just expecting him to just get uh, murked as you so eloquently put it. <laughs> so It was something else. The audience was just, just crazed by it. But it was good, man. It was good. And then uh, cuts to a card 
Five years later, and very slowly, I might add, it's like five, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, years, one Mississippi. (laughs) Five years later, like it really wants you to, it really wants it to sink in that it's five years later uh, and cuts to, you know, some various shots of uh, New York, lots of boats in the pier, empty baseball field, Captain America leading a support group. Um, with the, with two cameos. Yes, two no cameos. No less than two cameos. Joe Russo or is it Anthony Russo? He's uh, the good, uh, the good Russo. Russo. The good Russo. And who is the other cameo? Shaw, tell him. That would be Jim Starlin, the creator of Thanos yep, and the Infinity Gauntlet storyline. Yeah, we have him to thank for the entire concept of the Infinity Gauntlet. Oh, yeah. So... Very, um, very interesting scene because there's not a lot really going on in it. Just a little bit of character development. Um, Mr. Russo, since we're spacing on which director it was, also um, had a little moment where he was talking about his boyfriend and a date he went on or potential boyfriend. And then he later came out in an interview and said that he wanted to say those lines in particular because he wanted the audience to know how how much representation in the movie was important to him. So he chose to do, to be in the scene rather than to, to hire an actor. So I thought that was an interesting point that he made. Um, you were right. It is Joe Russo. <laughs> yes. I'm so smart. Let it be known. I can tell the difference between the Russo brothers. <laughs> Should have went with my instinct. Um, and then we cat we catch a scene at the Avengers headquarters where black, Widow is talking to these holograms. Um, Okoye, you got Rocket, uh, you got Don Cheadle, War Machine, and you got Captain Marvel sporting her brand new short hair. What'd you think of that short hair, Shaw? I hated it. Oh my oh, God. You didn't like it? It looks oh, so man. bad. It looks so Oh man, I was the opposite. I was like, me likey. Really? I don't know what it was working for me. <laughs> I don't know what about it, but it was working for me, man. Yeah, I don't know. I just uh, I liked her longer hair. Like when when we see her in the Avengers compound, and, and Thor's like, "I like this one," and um, and you know, like the whole Stormbreaker scene. Like that's that's the hair I liked when she got all cut, like super short. It just was not working for me. Hey. Agree to disagree. More for me. More <laughs> for me. That's all I got to say. What what I always find interesting about these hologram communication scenes, because they they had one in Infinity War. They've done them uh, several times throughout the other Marvel movies. And I always figure, like, how does this how does this work? Because everybody but Black Widow is standing. Black Widow is sitting, and they're all standing there addressing Black Widow. But Black in their room in their vision, I'm trying to imagine like I'm I'm Don Cheadle. Can I see everybody else standing and then just Black Widow just sitting there? <laughs> like, how come you got the machine that projects you and you don't even have to stand? I got to walk in and out of it. <laughs> this is upsetting to me. Like, those little things, uh, they bother me. But then she has a conversation with Don Cheadle about the whereabouts of this, uh, this uh, vigilante. This vigilante just going on murder sprees. And they suspect it's Barton. And we find out later it is. Now, time out, time out. All right, we skipped over a very important detail and an, Easter egg, and an Easter egg. So um, when Black Widow is getting the scoop from all of her team, uh, Okoye, Okoye, 
I don't know. Okoye. 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 That's right. Yeah. She. Oh, I know what Easter egg you're going to talk yeah, about. Okay. All right. Yeah. Hit, hit him with it, Sean. Hit him with it. <laughs> so she's obviously reporting from Wakanda and she's talking about how they just witnessed that there was an earthquake under the ocean. Mm-hmm. And uh, Black Widow's like, well, what are you guys going to do about it? And Okoye is like, um, it's an earthquake under the ocean. We're not going to do a damn thing about it. And basically hinting at the potential for a potential future inclusion of an MCU character. No, I'm sorry. A Marvel character that has never been seen in the MCU has never been seen live action. And uh, currently the rights are not even owned by Marvel. As far as I'm aware, Uh, of course, I'm talking about Namor, the Submariner. So uh, there's a potential that they're sort of hinting at the earthquake or whatever being caused by this Atlantean, uh, which would be a really interesting thing if they decided to bring Namor to the surface. But um, because of Aquaman uh, and his success in the DCEU, if that still exists. Um, But Aquaman was met with a lot of praise. And so it would make sense if the MCU would try to sort of conquer the waters that, uh, that DC has sort of dipped their toes into. Um, But that's kind of the rumor is that they're basically talking about that. And in the comic book storylines, Wakanda and Atlantis have a rivalry. There's a known rivalry between those two. So it would not be uncommon for, uh, Okoye's character to be commenting on that. And she may even know that it's Namor. And that's why she's like, we just want to leave them alone because <laughs> I'm not going to touch that right now, right now. Yes. That, that Easter egg actually didn't click with me on the first viewing, but I, I caught it on the second one. I was like, why would they take so much time to talk about this earthquake that really has nothing to do with anything? And then it was just like a light bulb over my head. I was like, uh, fuck Black Panther is going to, Neymar. That's what's going to be. Um, and I'm looking up the rights to Neymar just out of curiosity because I thought Marvel had the rights, but it's a complicated situation. It turns out that they're, Marvel technically has the rights, but Universal also, also still has some stake in it. Uh, very similar to the Hulk, where technically they can't make a Hulk movie, where it has to be involved with the Avengers or another character. Okay. So there you go. That's the skinny one. Well, so then if if they were to make, let's say, um, Namor the villain, quote unquote, of Black Panther 2, that would be, uh, that would probably be okay. That would work. And I would like that. I do not want to see Black Panther fight another person in a Black Panther suit. <laughs> I hated it. The movie was fine. The villain was dumb. Next. Hot take. Next. Thank you. Right. Next. Mm, thank you. Next. So meanwhile, in a storage facility, there's a van uh, with a time machine in it or a quantum particle manipulator machine in the back uh, where luckily a rat (laughs) is in the car and happens to push a button on the the car dash. And who comes spitting out of that? None other than Ant-Man, Scott Lang himself, who has been uh, missing in action for five years, but it seemed like five hours for him. So one year goes by in an hour is the math. I took away from that. That's right. By the way, did you catch that his storage space, that his uh, his van and all of his equipment and and luggage and basically all of his personal belongings, it said Lang on the label, and then mm-hmm. below that it said six one six. Ooh, 
Shaf with those eagle eyes. Uh-huh. I of course, did not uh, see for that. those that don't know, the Marvel 616 universe is considered like the prime universe where all the main stories take place. So that was would be an explanation of that. And plus for him, who has sort of been uh, traveling the quantum realm where he can go into other theoretical universes, uh, um, that would make sense that they would sort of comment that this is the prime. This is 616 is where it's at. Yes, good good eye, Shaf, good eye. Um, Ant-Man is released into the wild, and of course, he doesn't know what's going on, and I um, I particularly enjoyed the cameo by Senor Chang as the guard. <laughs> so weird. I was, I was like, is he, is he playing a guy or a girl? I don't even know. <laughs> he, had, he had ambiguous hair, <laughs> but he did have a mustache, but I, I know some girls with mustaches. It's true. So, it's true. Maybe I shouldn't uh, have assumed uh, Ken's his gender. gender. <laughs> yeah. 2019, Shaf. Come I know. on, man. I need to get with the program. <laughs> All right. So Sky Lang, he makes it out and he finds himself in a world that he does not recognize. Uh, he tries asking a kid what's going on and the kid looks at him like he's a GD idiot. He's like, come on, man. You know what happened. Um, Scott Lang makes it to an interesting memorial in San Francisco where he sees his own name as missing. And then he makes it back to his San Francisco uh, suburb, I guess is the best way to put it, where he goes to his old home and who's there but a five years older daughter, Cassie. Now, I have a question about that scene. So are we to assume then that Cassie's parents are no longer alive or that they like they d- got dusted too or something like that. I, I, <clears throat> because later on in the story, and I, I'm not spoiling anything at this point, cause we're going to get through it, but cause it's spoilers. We never see, we never see those parents. So we never see Bob, Bobby Cannavale or whatever that chick's name is. We don't see them again. So she's living in a house by herself, but she's not really old enough to live in a house by herself. So yeah, I thought of that. I just, I just assumed that one of them is there because I mean, if she was a child by herself, I don't think she could have made it five years. <laughs> yeah. Without getting yeah. kidnapped, being killed, or just finding herself somewhere else. So I think probably odds are one of them is there, although even though they're not seen. I thought they maybe, cast maybe they were in the final battle. What was the dad the dad in the final battle? <laughs> he might have been. He might have been. He takes off his belt. This is how I deal with injustice. <laughs> <laughs> the, the girl they cast, she looks like if you were to take the girl from Ant-Man and the Wasp, who is also an Ant-Man and literally put her into like a time chamber and just advance the years, five years, like she looks like she would be that girl. Like yeah. they did a really good job casting. Yeah. I figured she maybe passing for like 16, you know, 15, 14, 12, 11. So yeah, maybe she was 11 or 10 in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. So yeah, it was about right. I thought, I thought they did a good choice with uh, casting on that. And that was something that we had speculated way back in previous episodes. I remember True. that, that we, we first started thinking there was going to be a time jump because of this casting. Um, so Ant-Man makes his way to the Avengers facility and explains uh, essentially that time travel is a thing that could exist thanks to the quantum realm. And you get the first of, I think probably three or four back to the future references, which I appreciated. <laughs> Much and even a Bill and they they do a whole list of time travel movies, including Bill and Ted. Uh, what's the one with the the time traveling mailbox where they would put a letter in a mailbox <laughs> and it would come out like in the past? 
it was like a Sandra Bullock movie. The Lake House is that? Oh what yeah, it the Lake House. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They just like went really obscure with with their uh, their references, and of course, they don't know how to get anything done, so they go to the smartest person they know, which is Tony Stark. Which we get to see Tony Stark in his new life uh, post the snapping. He's got a cute little girl. Um, I don't remember her name though. Morgan. Morgan. Okay, I was just totally blanking. Um, in a nice little lake house, little colonial looked like, or maybe maybe it was a craftsman. I don't know. Let's not get into details <laughs> oh, on this. But essentially, you know, Scott Lang, Captain America, Scarlet uh, Witch. I mean, not Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Scarlet Johansson, Black Widow make their way to Tony Stark and try to convince him to help with their time traveling plans, which immediately gets shot down because Tony's life is too good at this point, despite all the terrible things that have happened. He's got a wife, he's got a kid, he's out of the Avengers. So he does not want to go with this plan. So ultimately they go to the next smartest person we know, which is the the next big reveal of the movie. They went to find Bruce Banner. But what happened? What happened, Shaf, when they found Bruce? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so in these five years since uh, the whole snapping, the decimation, uh, Bruce, we find out, has basically found some common ground with the Hulk. Uh, he has worked through the, their differences and actually has found a way to combine the brawn of Hulk with the brains of Banner into one entity that uh, they're just referring to as Hulk, but when uh, whenever the articles are referring to the character, they refer to him as Professor Hulk, which is more of a comic book reference for when Banner and Hulk's um, personas merged and basically he became sort of the best of both worlds. And let me tell you, it is refreshing. He is so fucking it. enjoyable as Professor Hulk. I loved every <laughs> second of any scene that he was in. I, I didn't. I never thought I would like it as much as I did. But oh my gosh, I freaking love Professor Hulk. <laughs> you like a Professor Hulk, huh? <laughs> Professor Hulk is good. And we honestly, give you more Professor Hulk. I could. I could totally. The performance capture by Mark Ruffalo. Holy shit, he looks like Hulk looks exactly like Mark Ruffalo. They did such a great job with the CGI. He looks as if Mark Ruffalo was the Hulk. Like there's no there's no like guessing. Like back in the day when they had like the Hulk and they would do performance capture, you could kind of see moments where like, oh yeah, it kind of looks like Mark Ruffalo. No, he looks exactly like Mark Ruffalo now. And He's got a fun personality. The Hulk dabbed at one point. Yeah, he did a little <laughs> tiny dab to the kids. <laughs> He's taking pictures with the kids and, you know. Uh, and then, then, he, then he gives that life advice. He's like, listen to your mom. <laughs> He's just like saying everything that he She can. knows better. <laughs> and you see his plate of food. Like he's got a giant bowl of scrambled eggs, a <laughs> giant plate with like, tons of burritos like <laughs> it was amazing like all the food and like oh gosh the interactions between him and ant-man uh they had some nice things back and forth that was some good i loved i loved the ant-man trying to get a picture with the kids and, they're like, <laughs> and then hulk's like trying to defend him. no they take a picture come on they want it <laughs> meanwhile captain america's right there they didn't even notice captain america was sitting right there but you know i digress 
Um, and of course, Bruce Banner, they, they, go, they go to Bruce to... Actually, hold on, I'm going to take a step back because I had a question for you, but then I got sidetracked. Do you think Professor Hulk, just the way he's presented in the movie, so let's talk, let's talk about the computer effects for Professor Hulk. Do you think he looks better than Hulk did in Ragnarok? Since those are two Hulk-heavy movies. Um, I like him better in this, in, uh, I mean, in, in Endgame. I mean, again, just to clarify my question, just the way he's presented and, and in terms of looking realistic, like suspending your disbelief and the Hulk is actually there. Like the quality of the, 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 the animation is what um, I meant to say. Yeah, no, I think so. I think he's better in Endgame because uh, part of what I, I look at is not only like muscles and whatnot, but he clearly is older. He mm-hmm. and you can tell that this Hulk has gray hair. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of got that salt and pepper look going. He's got the glasses on now, and he's he's wearing clothes, which uh, does actually take a little bit of the CGI out because the clothes aspect sort of hides the need for like muscle tone or physique mm-hmm. and things like that. But ultimately, I, I just if anything, I felt like he was a bit smaller in size. Yeah, I that's. I, I thought that too. I thought is that, what you, it, is that what you're getting at? His proportions yeah. weren't. Yeah, the stature correct. was, and maybe that's just like the that's the compromise. Like if you're going to get Banner's intellect and Hulk's biceps, like the combination does dwarf the input, like the end output of the. Of yeah, the maybe I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, that's what we'll go with. That'll be the explanation. <laughs> <laughs> so they 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 get uh, Bruce Banner on board to help them with their time machine program. And ultimately, sorry, I could hear you drinking. <laughs> Those some, some big gulps. <laughs> gulp, gulp. Sorry about that. No, no apologies necessary. That's what we do here. I'm Friends thirsty. Again. I had lots of whiskey, so I'm just trying to, just trying to lose the buzz. That's, oh, oh boy. <laughs> so uh, Bruce helps them try to perfect the, the time machine. And we get a sequence of them sending Mark Ruffalo back through time, only to have him come back as a baby, as a child, and as an old man. Well, let's clarify. So I, I know what you mean. Uh, Mark Ruffalo was sending Scott Lang back, uh, back in time. Yes. What did I say? You said we sent uh, Mark Ruffalo back in time. Oh, and that's what I meant. You guys, <laughs> were you even watching the movie shop? Mark Ruffalo went back in time. <laughs> yes. Uh, Scott Lang, excuse me, your highness went back in time. <laughs> um, my wife in particular really laughed a lot at that sequence, <laughs> especially when he said, somebody peed my pants <laughs> and I don't know who it was. Um, meanwhile, you got Tony Stark working at his, his uh, we'll call it colonial house, and he figures out time travel. Good for you. So quickly too. So fast. Like, And I didn't even understand half the things he was doing, but all it took him was he was like, he goes, yeah, let's just try this. Let's just make like a loop. And oh my God, it worked. And he yeah. says to he says to the AI, he's like, if it doesn't work, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course it works and he says shit. And there's a whole cute little exchange with his daughter, which uh, they have a lot of good moments actually, him and his daughter. So Tony agrees to go to the Avengers facility and help them with their time traveling needs. 
Um, I forget if if we've skipped over the part where Thor comes in. No, it's after this. Because they have to build their team. So once they figured out how to do time travel, now they got to build their team up. Yes. And that's how wait, it's involved. But wait, I have this leads into my very favorite Hulk moment out of the whole movie. <laughs> my favorite thing that happens with the Hulk. So cut to <laughs> Sky Wang outside the Avengers facility, just minding his own business, just trying to eat a taco, man. <laughs> He just wants a taco and (laughs) Nebula and rocket land. They blow his taco all over the place and Nebula calls him an idiot. (laughs) And Hulk walks by with four tacos in his hand and just very nicely goes, here you go, buddy. Gives him two tacos. Yeah, two of my tacos. <laughs> I love that. I'm like, this Hulk rules. <laughs> and then he walked away. He just he walked away so smug. And then he starts this whole fun scene of him uh, basically flying and landing in Norway so that he can take this <laughs> take this uh, pickup truck with Rocket, uh, where they're they're sitting in the back of the pickup truck, and the, yeah. the truck is like literally tilted because he's so heavy. <laughs> and, and I loved the music. Like, yeah, the music is really fun. Very, very like folksy in that moment. And yeah. they're basically driving to to where Thor is currently staying in New Asgard. New Asgard, where we get the reveal of what I'm going to describe as the People's Thor. <laughs> My favorite iteration of Thor <laughs> ever. <laughs> you get you get thick, thick. Thor with two C's. Yeah, you get dad bod Thor. Dad bod Thor is finally getting represented in a Marvel movie. I'm very (laughs) thrilled about this. And much to my pleasure, the return of two fan favorite characters. For both of us. And Meek. Yeah, Korg and Meek are back. And not only is Korg back, but Korg is dressed in a pineapple onesie, like a romper. Just like, just like Tycho Waititi wore, <laughs> like when he was directing Ragnarok and everything. So it, it was it, it right on the nose, uh, like Easter egg for and like his rock shoulders are ripping out of it. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just funny. It's funny to me. He's like, "Hey man, want the Wi-Fi password?" <laughs> By the way, I, I found it funny that they chose uh, Fortnite as the game that they were playing. Just considering that. In this storyline, at this point in time, they're in the year 2023. And that's a very hopeful thought that Fortnite is still being played actively like that. <laughs> you never I know, know, man. Like, I hope so. But I mean, I, I, I feel like that's one of those like references that people will watch this movie maybe like 20 years from now and they'll be like, what the fuck is Fortnite? <laughs> Ah, uh, that'd be all right. It's just like they're playing a game from the past at that. Yeah, point. I guess so. I guess so. But they are um, in Norway after all. They can't even get good internet or cable. Remember, Thor's complaining about the cable the whole time. Yeah. Did you catch the uh, the handle for the the Fortnite player that kept like doing them in? Was it Noob Slayer or something? Uh, like I think it was like Noob Master or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! Now. Um, can I can I speak on this uh, this dad bod Thor situation? Yes, yes, I will allow it. So, as much as I really liked seeing dad bod Thor, uh-huh. 
What irritated me about it, and this is truly my only gripe of the entire movie, I think, <laughs> is that he stayed dad bod Thor for the entire rest of the movie. Like, well, of course he did. No, 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 no. Hear me out. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna skip ahead just briefly just to talk about this. So leading up to the final scene, the final battle that it takes place basically a good 45 minutes of the, of the last part of the movie, but pretty much all of the third act mm-hmm. Thor conjures this like lightning magic situation. And when he does it and he grabs a Stormbreaker and he grabs Mjolnir, it causes him to like flip into his, into his um, body armor and his costume and everything. And he gets out of the basically his sweats, but mm-hmm. immediately he conjures, Don't forget his, his sweet ass beard. That's what I'm braided. getting to. Yeah. Oh, okay. He immediately conjures his beard to get braided into this like awesome braid. And so I'm thinking to myself, if he can do that with lightning and he can like make his braid like appear out of nothing without taking the time to separate the hairs out, then what's to stop him from using the lightning power to give himself some fucking rock hard abs again and get rid of the fucking <laughs> love handles? Like, oh man, I going into that final fight, like they needed to all be their best, and he's still rocking a goddamn gut facing Thanos. Like, I was like, this has got no way. This is a fun sight gag, but it's got to stop. You cannot have this the entire rest of the episode. <laughs> episode. <laughs> <laughs> I called it an episode. So that's my one gripe is that it, it I loved the sight gag. I just did not want it to last the entire movie, but sure enough, that's what Oh, no, I disagree, man. Like I liked it. I I thought it was a, a natural progression of his character. I mean, this guy lost everything. This guy messed up on Thanos. He just got nothing to live for. Of course he gets like, you know, a little thicker on the edges. But that being something that can just be magically transformed. I don't think so. I'll buy the hair. I don't know that I buy the the, the boobies. <laughs> but <laughs> no, I, I will think- say, I will say, there's a lot of people that are a little up in arms about the whole Thor thing because, um, in a sense, the rest of the Avengers are kind of fat shaming him. <laughs> a little bit, you oh, know? it doesn't happen that much though. His mom uh, tells him to eat a salad, and Rocket yeah, refers Rocket's to him as a the one. melted melted ice cream cone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say it's Rocket who's who's poking at him. Nobody yeah. else is really making fun of him. Well, uh, well, uh, Tony Stark refers to him as Lebowski. <laughs> he looks like Lebowski. That's not a comment on his weight, though. At least, I yeah, it's true. And he's not Lebowski. He's the dude, man. <laughs> no, I, I liked it, man. Like I, I, I just liked it. It was different. And I know I, I might be in the minority on this, but I liked I liked Thick Daddy Thor. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> it does give him a, a whole new avenue to explore going forward. Absolutely. And since we're on the subject of the final battle, I don't think him being a little heavier set really affected his ability to kick ass. Because as soon as he, you know, got both of his hammers and and transformed, got his uniform. I mean, he was tearing ass like up and down that battlefield. Of course, it nothing really worked until the very end, which we will talk about. Yeah. I mean, it, to me, it didn't seem like it hindered his performance. Um, but I liked it. I liked it. I like Thor and I'm glad Corgan Meek came back because, uh, Kim, uh, I almost called you, I just called you Kim, my wife. Uh Oh, it's a Freudian slip. Um, Shaf and I had an, uh, off microphone conversation about the things that we would do if Corgan Meek weren't in the movie. 
uh, <laughs> very humiliating things that we would do to ourselves in front of the movie audience. <laughs> and I'm glad we didn't have to do that. And I'll just leave it at that. Um, yeah. I mean, I thought about including that maybe at the end of the episode. I'm just saying. Nah, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all, right, all right. So let's, we're going to have to take over. Uh, you take yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. So well, let's actually, do this. Let's do this. So this is a good, probably a good stopping point just for a moment. Um, so I know that Wonder Rob recently had some pizza. He might need to take a quick little uh, bio break. So let's go ahead and take a brief moment. We're going to take a pause. We're going to come back and we're going to talk more about Endgame. We got a lot of things to to cover, uh, a lot more things related to what the Avengers do to solve this major problem and bring back the heroes that were lost as well as everyone else. But before we get into that, we're going to give you guys a chance to find out a little bit more about where to find us on social media. And we certainly hope that you will take down all this information and please, please, please follow, uh, like subscribe, do all the things. And, uh, we will be right back. Hey gang, it's wonder Rob again. And Shaf's here too. We just wanted to take a quick break to let you know where you can find us on social media. That's right. Catch us on Twitter at Geek So To Speak PC, where I'll be tweeting and retweeting all of the latest geek news. Also, find us on Facebook and Instagram at Geek So To Speak Podcast, where yours truly will be serving up those deliciously geeky posts, not to mention memes, trailers, articles, videos, and much, much more. While, of course, Shop celebrates his inner geek on Instagram with all kinds of geek gasm, oh, inducing pics and memes. <laughs> if you're enjoying what you're hearing, let us know. Find us and follow us, rate us and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We got new episodes every week, so don't forget to tune in. Same geek time, same geek channel. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Excuse me, guys. It was that pizza. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for sticking with us. And sorry for burping in your ear. (laughs) Not my intention. But we're back. We are back, you guys. So uh, picking up where we left off, continuing the movie, uh, I think we skipped over them running into Hawkeye, or Ronin, excuse me, Yeah. in uh, Japan, just tearing ass with a knife and a sword and just killing people for the heck of it. Which leads me to, I think, my only gripe with the movie, which was I thought that was boring and ham-fisted and not explained terribly well why, why okay, he so was doing that. I can explain it. Well, let me, let me reiterate. I understand why he was doing it. He lost his family. You know, he's taking out the people that should be gone while the, while the innocent people all evaporated. Like, I get why he's doing it what i didn't like was it it seemed very and here he is <laughs> you know what i mean like it it i guess they just they sort of rushed into it without taking in my opinion enough time to really like just talk about it um and yeah, I, my, I found it kind of boring because of that my other thing was why would he take the time to get a new costume <laughs> I mean, he did. He got that haircut. Yeah, he got a haircut. He got a new costume. He got more weapons. Like he like turned himself in. I don't know. It just. I don't know. And it's only really referred to the one time, short of um, their his interaction with Black Widow on Volmir. But I I don't know. I think that if that wasn't in the movie, 
still be the same movie, I think. So we'll move on from there. So the team is assembled. They got uh, the People's Thor. We got Professor Hulk. We got Iron Man back in the game. We got everybody. Now, what's the plan? We are going to go back in time and get those time stones, which leads into a very interesting time travel theory slash rules that we haven't seen in any other movie, which they specifically point out to you as plain as day. They list, again, every time travel movie that's ever existed and said, that's not how time travel works. This is how time travel works, you guys, which I didn't really sort of get a grasp of until the second viewing. Here's what I took away from it. You tell me if I'm wrong, Wonder Rob. Okay. That in their version, in the Avengers version of time travel, it's more of a linear timeline that for the characters that decide to travel back in time to retrieve the stones at earlier points in time, that there's no way that they affect their, their past selves because that action has already happened for them. In a sense, they're, by them going back, to the past. That's why he says, well, your future is your past. And so in a sense, like they can't influence anything to change the timeline provided that they, the, the, the infinity stone that they take out of that timeline, they bring back to the exact moment it was gone. Yes, that sounds about right. So ultimately just to sort of reiterate that the past is the past. The past cannot be altered. Uh, which they explained when Rhodey says, why don't we just go back in time and choke a baby? (laughs) Choke baby Thanos. The past is the past. But it's important that they return the time stones because if if a whole thing goes missing, it'll create terrible alternate timelines. So ultimately, even though the past ultimately can't be changed, it can have horrific and and catastrophist, that's a, a word I made up. <laughs> Coin it, you guys. Uh, results. So essentially gives them a little freedom to get away with certain things in the movie that don't alter how things are playing out. Like Nebula killing Nebula. Or excuse me, Gamora killing Gamora. <laughs> oh, you're right. Uh, no, Nebula. I'm getting their names mixed up. Nebula killing Nebula, for example. Nebula killing Nebula doesn't mean that Nebula disappears. It just means Nebula got killed and Nebula gets to live. Yeah, it, it, is, <laughs> it is confusing, though, because using that... Unless logic, she didn't get killed. Yeah, using that logic, what doesn't make sense to me, then, is what happens with Thanos, because it's not like Thanos has a stone to return. Th- Thanos gets brought into the future. So if Thanos is brought into the future and killed in the future in 2023, when he's, that's the 2014 Thanos, which of course we're going to get more into detail on that. Then that would mean that that Thanos is plucked out of the timeline to be a Thanos that snaps the individual. So I just, that part I don't quite grasp is that if the Thanos from 2014 goes to the future does that mean that there's another Thanos that stays in 2014 that continues the plot line uh, that would have led towards him gathering the stones and, and initiating the events of the decimation? That's the part I, I just, I get a little jumbled with. So the way I understand it is the past is the past, regardless of 
Thanos coming to the future and getting killed, the past has already happened. So like, there's not really anything to go there. You can't change the past, but they didn't go into the past and kill Thanos. Thanos jumped from the past to the present and got killed. So I think essentially that's how it gets away with it. So ultimately the, the end result of the past stays the same. So like him coming into the future and getting killed doesn't erase what already happened. It, it happened. And it's not like they're going back into the past and revisiting things like back to the future. If that makes sense. It's just, it's happened. Stop thinking about it. You can't change it. Even though Thanos is dead and he can't get the infinity stones. It already happened. So it already happened. Like that's sort of the, the logic I took away from it. It's just, I guess ultimately don't think about it too hard. Just enjoy it. <laughs> like well, here's my thought too, because this kind of gets explained a little bit with uh, Professor Hulk's interactions with uh, the ancient one, which by the way, I really dug the fact that they sort of retconned it where the sorcerers, especially the ancient one were helping out during the battle of New York, that she was helping kill Chitauri uh, aliens that were invading New York from her rooftop. And obviously we didn't know that at the time, but she was uh, an instrumental piece. Yeah, she was spit, spitting some magic here and there. Yeah, but she also, she also explains that whenever you remove an infinity uh, stone from the, the main timeline, that it causes a schism and creates an alternate universe, mm-hmm. um, a darker theoretical universe. And so that's kind of where I was wondering, because they removed the power stone from 2014, Mm-hmm. which prompted then Thanos to then follow them to the future. Does that sort of that Thanos exist in, in a, an alternate timeline? You know what I mean? Like that's how he sort of doesn't overlap with the past because now he's part of an alternate timeline, not the regular timeline. Is that kind of, does that, I think that helps me understand it, but does that seem right to you? I think only temporarily because they make a point of saying that, you have to put these back. Otherwise everything's going to get messed up and things are going to go haywire beyond recognition, which is why they make such a big point of put it, put everything back where you found it. And what's interesting is they don't really fully state by the end of the movie that everything got back. We assume everything. It's implied. It's implied. It's implied, but wouldn't it be interesting if there was something that happened that was catastrophic? Because how else do you bring in the Fantastic Four, the X-Men, Deadpool, all of that in like an alternate universe that gets created? Like that would be a perfect way to do it. Like the repercussions, the consequences of their time travel sort of creates this schism in the timeline and sort of makes them a possibility. Like I yeah. think it would be a great way for them to introduce these characters. But. I do think it would be a great way to introduce those characters, but I don't think that's what they'll do because we all made the assumption that that's what was going to happen or leave that open. And it didn't really. And it, re- it reminded me too, on the drive home, I was actually talking to my wife about the movie and she said, remember when we thought scrolls were going to be in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> and we were, I was like, Oh yeah. And like we, the whole scroll theory got like thrown into the window out the window. So like, who knows how they're going to introduce Deadpool or, or mutants into this continuity at this point. I mean, I suppose they could still do it with the Doctor Strange sort of stuff, but, like, who knows, man? Like, who even knows at this point? Um, 
But that brings us to one of the coolest parts of the movie is when they finally start time traveling. They they split into teams. Ant-Man, Captain America, and Tony Stark head to 2012 New York. In the Battle of New York, uh, you get <laughs> War Machine and Nebula uh, going after Peter Quill. And you get Black, uh, I almost said Black Panther, Black Widow and Hawk Guy. Going to Vilmir, Vilmore, Vilmir, that one planet. <laughs> Vormir. <laughs> Vormir, that's right. I My audience went ape dookie when they cut to New York in 2012 and they did that pan shot of the Avengers. Like everybody was, yeah! Like they just loved it, man. <laughs> the one guy in the back was like, oh man, that's sick, bro. No, you, should, you know what he said? He said, this is not an exaggeration. When they shut that, when they did that shot, he went, shit. <laughs> <laughs> he really laid into that, sh- the shh and the eh. Like he, he liked it. <laughs> he liked that part. Um, I liked that scene a lot, especially because we have to see, just like you said, the return of the ancient one. My wife immediately was like, it's going to be the ancient one. She called it. Nailed um, it. Nailed it. And then I also liked seeing the same scenes just from different angles, like when Loki's on the, the stairwell and all the Avengers pointing at him and you see Tony sort of peeking around the corner at them. Like, I liked it. And then making the Hulk take the stairs. Hulk hates stairs! So many stairs! <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. Uh, it's too bad that, I mean, obviously they didn't plan for that. You know, like he forgot the whole stairs situation. That's how Tony gets, the whole thing gets discombobulated. But it ends up working out even better in the long run. There were some great moments in that particular scene. One thing I really loved was how um, we got a cat versus cap fight, uh, which oh, was yeah. fantastic. And they had a perfect way to explain why cap was facing cap. The, the, the cap of 2012 figured it was Loki in disguise, which just made perfect sense. I loved that. Um, oh, and the elevator. Yeah, the elevator, exactly. There, then, of course, uh, uh, the cap from the future is able to hold on to the... the um, or is, is trying to get the scepter. So he gets the scepter and he brings it in the elevator. Of course, that's where all the rest of the uh, shield slash Hydra agents are there. And of course, we got Rumlow, a.k.a. Crossbones. We've got uh, Agent Jasper Sitwell and uh, and others. There's another guy, I can't recall his name, but um, it, it's playing out just like that elevator scene from, uh, from Winter Soldier. And at first, I'm like, oh man, it's going to literally go down the same way. They're going to get into a big fucking brawl. It's going to be just like this. And I was so for it. And then it turned on a dime and I was even more for it. <laughs> I thought it was fucking brilliant on Cap's part. He leans in. He's like, it's okay. I got this. I'm running point on the scepter. And, uh, he's, and he leans over and he talks to Agent Sitwell. And he's like, hail Hydra. Oh my gosh. They like look at each other. Like, it's perfect. We got Cap on our side. That was another moment. My audience went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> It was so good. It was so perfect. The path of least resistance. And you see Cap just like smirking as he walks out of the elevator. Oh, it was so good. It was brilliant. It was so good. And then, of course, uh, Ant-Man going into Tony Stark's art reactor and giving a little heart attack. And Tony Stark yelling, somebody should help that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, during that same scene, I laughed really loud when uh, Ant-Man goes, okay, I'm going inside you. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, and that there was no like follow up to that. <laughs> like Tony Stark just accepted. I was like, what you just gonna leave that one hanging, man? <laughs> <laughs> it's too easy. <laughs> that's a good one. So yeah, that was a good scene. Um, of course, everything goes wrong, and Loki manages to 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 vanish with the Tesseract. By uh, the way, um, side note on that one: Do you think that that is going to be how the Disney Plus uh, TV series for Loki sort of? gives him the access that he needs. Cause from what I understand in the synopsis of that particular TV series, it's going to be about him sort of appearing at various points in history and sort of influencing events here and there. So to do that, wouldn't that require the Tesseract? Like that would kind of fit in line with. Well, yes and no. Cause he doesn't because, have time capabilities. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. jump through time. It just jumps through space. Yeah. That's a good point. But they they've been on earth before i mean like the bifrost and everything can send them to earth so like if he's if he's influencing human history i don't think he's gonna have a a hard time you know getting back and forth from earth but maybe i give it a solid maybe on that theory solid maybe um so Ultimately, that doesn't work, so they have to come up with another plan to get the Tesseract because Loki ran away with it, which leads them to the 70s, where we get the final, or at least presumably final, Stan Lee cameo. That's right. Make love, not war! And did you see on the back of the bumper sticker on the back of his car? It said, uh, yes, it said, keep on trucking. <laughs> no, no, it actually said, nuff said. Yeah, yeah. It said, <laughs> screw DC. It was really weird. <laughs> right on the nose. It said, I'm uh, still alive on an island. <laughs> on an island somewhere with Walt Disney. Yeah. <laughs> and Tupac <out>. Shakur. <laughs> yeah. Um, so ultimately, Captain America and Tony Stark need to infiltrate S.H.I.E.L.D. in the 70s where a lot of little interesting things happen. Number one, uh, they run into Shirley from Community, another Community cameo in the elevator. Um, Captain America finds Peggy Carter looking good as ever. That's right. And Tony runs into his dad, Howard, um, which... Which led to some an interesting talk. I mean, I think the pacing slowed down a little bit there at that point, but it's still good scenes. I still enjoyed it. Uh, um, that scene was really, really important, I think, and great for Tony to get because one thing that we got early on in the MCU uh, is that Tony stated himself he never got to say goodbye to his dad. Mm-hmm. Never got to say goodbye before he died. And that's kind of been something he's carried around for a very long time. And so to, in this moment, get to interact with his dad about and talking about being a father, something that Tony's just recently experiencing and to connect with him in that way and find out that how much of a dad that Howard aimed to be, whether or not he fully succeeded, he had the best of intentions. It was like the completion of a good portion of the, of Tony's story arc. And uh, um, just was a really pretty moment. I loved it. Very oh, cool. yeah. Like I said, it was very good. I just thought the pacing was a little slow. Maybe it was the editing. So Something with that scene just felt slow to me. But I still like it. Don't get me wrong. I like it. My only really problem is the Ronin scene. That's it. <laughs> uh, then, of course, we get, to, we get to check out the other Avengers on their uh, other planets. I particularly liked... War Machine being introduced to Peter Quill or seeing Peter Quill from afar. 
while Peter Quill's dancing <laughs> and singing. He's like, this, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> and immediately just hits him and knocks him out. <laughs> it was very funny. I love that they showed it from the other angle that it wasn't just from the music playing. It was from like hearing him with his like terrible voice, like sing. <laughs> singing along with it and like <laughs> and breathing heavy because he's dancing. <laughs> like it's just funny. It reminded me of that, um, that music video with um, Mick Jagger and David Bowie, the dancing in the street video without the music. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> just like <laughs> clapping and go, <laughs> like getting in each other's faces. Like that's what it reminded me of. <laughs> I love it. Oh man! Um, um, of course, we got the the Black Widow Hawkeye um, on Vormir, and that led to the- some uh, interesting plot developments that I did not see coming. Really? Well, I mean, I didn't anticipate that either. One of them were going to have to you know, have to make a sacrifice. It didn't really dawn on me until Red Skull showed up. Like you started, you know, materializing behind them, maybe like a minute into the scene. And I was like, oh fuck, I remember (laughs) what they have to do. Yeah. In retrospect, I feel bad for them when they were like mission briefing and planning this whole thing out because all they knew was that Thanos went to Vormir with, with Gamora and left with the soul stone and Gamora wasn't there, but they didn't sort of make the connection that one would have to be sacrificed for the other. And so they go. And I knew right away, I was like, Oh my God, what are they going to do? If it's just the two of them, one of them got to go. So we're going to say bye to one of these people. Um, I did fully predict that once I saw they were there, that they were going to basically be fighting for the right to be the one to sacrifice themselves for the greater good. I just didn't think it was going to be black widow. I thought it was going to be Hawkeye. The whole time I was like, it's Hawkeye. It's got to be Hawkeye. Black Widow's got a movie coming out. Yeah, but I, I was under the impression the Black Widow movie is a, is a prequel. Well, they've never really said officially because there's no official information. I That's just sort of speculation. So I just sort of assumed it would be Hawkeye. Gotcha. Uh, and I'm glad Scott said not it when it came to that planet. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Not that's it. right. <laughs> yeah, well, it. See, um, I figured it wouldn't be Hawkeye because of him having a family, something to come back to, assuming that they do figure out the snap uh, and how to unsnap people. Like he's got, he's got something there and you don't like open the movie by showing his family only to never give him a chance to see his family. So Maybe. like, my, I was kind of looking through the narrative and I thought, oh, it's going to be the end of ScarJo. And, and it was. was. It was. And I actually was a little bit disappointed because it just the weight of her loss didn't really, it just didn't feel like it was there. Like there, It wasn't the same as Gamora. No, not at all. Not at all. And I, I wanted it to be a, a loss that meant something to me. And it's, I don't know if it's that... Black Widow didn't mean anything, but I just feel like the way they approached it maybe didn't have as enough of an impact. Maybe I think her face. We didn't see like maybe it's because she knew going into it that she was going to be like that. For Gamora, she didn't know until the last second, and then she was dreading. And yeah, I think that's it. I think because yeah. we didn't know when that scene started in Infinity War, we didn't know yeah how true. that was going to end. When, but like I said, I put it together. You know, after about a minute in the scene, you put it together pretty quickly, and we're like, okay, one of these people is going to have to go. So I, I think the sh- the shock of it happening 
when you didn't expect it is what changes it, I think. Still should have been Hawkeye, but it is what it is. Um, but ultimately, everybody gets their stones and everybody makes it back to the present, except for Nebula, which has a very interesting wrinkle because since there are two Nebulas in the one time period, they're on the same network. And she is unknowingly transmitting information to Thanos, who immediately puts together what's happening. Overall, how did you like Thanos in this movie compared to the last movie? Oh, I loved him in this movie. I think he was far more ruthless. You know, he was <clears throat> he was a guy. And one thing I really enjoyed was how they changed his motivations up. Mm-hmm. It's, it still made him believable. Like the, the Thanos of Infinity War was a Thanos that believed that if he eliminated half of the living things on uh, in the world, in the universe, that the universe would be grateful and would be able to thrive because now they would have more resources and whatever else. By the way, that's a little bit naive because not only did he get rid of the living, the people, but he got rid of 50% of all life. And that includes plants. <laughs> so half the plants half the creatures and half the people equals the same amount of resources for the same amount of people, <laughs> you know? So he didn't do any good to, uh, to anyone. And uh, this Thanos, the 2014 Thanos that moves to the future to sort of uh, basically get a chance to do the snap as well, has a different motivation and basically wants to reset all of life so that they are unaware of what they're missing out on so that they're more grateful and uh, appreciate what they've got. And um, yeah, like he saw the error of his plan. Yeah. The and first so, time. And so this guy sounds way more like ruthless and vengeful and um, far more of a, of a force. Like the Thanos that we got in infinity war, he didn't even necessarily, his goal was not even to hurt the Avengers. Like he didn't even, they were like bugs to him, like under his boot. He didn't want to kill anybody unless they were specifically like going, putting a wrench in his plan, like, uh, like Loki, for example, or the vision, like he had to kill the vision because it was integral for him to get, you know, the stone. He had to kill Loki because Loki tried to betray him and, and essentially, you know, throw his plan off course. But these people, the Avengers are so weak. I mean, it's Captain America. What are you going to do? What are you going to do to Thanos, Captain America? Like, he's just, what are you going to do to Thanos, Groot? Like, he's just like swatting everybody away. He's like, I'll let, I'll let the coin flip take care of you guys. And so he just did that. So, but yeah, in this one, he was sort of realized the error of his plan and was just like, I'm getting rid of everybody. So deal with it, Avengers. And I agree. I thought he was a lot more ruthless in this one. I liked him a lot, actually. In this in this version, um, so everybody makes it back, um, including a Gamora or excuse me, a Nebula who is aware of their plans, which leads to them crafting a new Infinity Gauntlet. And who gets to put on the Infinity Gauntlet? Thor really wants to. Oh, we didn't talk about Thor. Thor's Thor's flashback or Thor's time travel. Which I thought was actually the, one of the most boring of the ones. That's actually where I thought pacing was a little bit rough. I thought it was so interesting that they chose to go back to Thor Ragnarok. Or I mean, Thor they Dark had. World. Thor oh Dark. yeah, excuse, excuse me, Thor Dark World. 
but they had to because that's just that's the only one where the infinity stone was really directly involved yeah exactly (laughs) but they're just like guess what we're going back to thor the dark world (laughs) you all equally hated (laughs) but i kind of liked the scene with him and his mom like i thought it was it was nice it was nice and it was how great to get renee russo back for just that moment like that's crazy like they were able to secure that by the way do you think that natalie portman was really on set for that like five second scene where she was getting out of bed i mean they gave her a credit at the end because i was like uh they could have that's got to be footage like that they already had there's like i don't know because they they gave tom hiddleston uh, a credit and it was clearly new footage with Tom Hiddleston. Right. And I, feel, I feel like if they were using Natalie Portman, but it was archival footage, like I think she wouldn't have got a, a credit. But I don't know. I'm not in Hollywood. But I can tell you what my wife said in the movies. When Natalie Portman shows up on screen, my wife goes, she just blurts out without even thinking. She goes, how much money do they have to pay her? the guy next to her started laughing (laughs) like she just said it without even thinking that's hilarious (laughs) Um, but yeah i i i I enjoyed it but i definitely i think i liked the peter quill moment and i liked the avengers callback better out of all the time traveling totally yeah no i agree with you on that and then uh we didn't talk too much but uh hulk was able to convince uh uh, the ancient one to give up the time stone. Oh yeah, had, you're right. She had right. The, the eye of uh, Agamotto. I and, loved that scene where she punched him and Bruce Banner just came flying out. Just like the perfect callback. Yeah, no, that was great. That was great. I'm sure she was like, Oh my God, you're not this big green guy. <laughs> so, uh, so that that was a cool scene. Cause we got to understand a little bit more about how the timeline works and what happens when you remove an infinity stone. And that sort of reinforced the need to bring the stones back. Cause we didn't truly know that we needed to worry about that, but now she kind of confirmed that it's absolutely the case. So, um, she also realizes that be, the fact that Dr. Strange would give up the time stone means that um, he had a reason to do so. Like he would never have done so otherwise. And so that's what the encouragement, all that she needs to make sure that she gives them the stone so they can do what they need to do with it. So yeah, very cool. Very, very cool. Oh, also one thing I really liked and it didn't dawn on me the first time, but watching it the second time helped out with this for, I didn't quite understand how they all arrived back at Avengers headquarters at the exact same time, considering that some of them, um, obviously we were seeing the scenes happen and they were literally happening on top of each other, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't like they were on a timed schedule, you know, like they could spend as much time as they needed to, to get the stones provided that uh, when they were done, they would go ahead and use their little, their little bracelet thing to get them Mm -hmm. back. But what was really cool is because of the nature of time, the nature of uh, the quantum realm, they will automatically end up at the same time at the same place, regardless of how much time they took. So that was the cool part because I thought to myself, how is it that when they sent back the, uh, you know, war machine and, and Nebula didn't go back with her or I'm sorry, with him, like, why wouldn't that set off some like red, you know, red alert? Like what the heck, this is a problem. Um, Why isn't Nebula with them? And so I realized that none of them were back any sooner than the others. So they wouldn't have had any cause for concern. So. Yeah, it's like a yo-yo. Like that's how it struck me. Like the yo-yo goes as far as you want, or it lands wherever you want, but it will come back to the same spot. Yeah. Um, 
regardless of when you push the button. Like if, if, if she didn't push it five until five years later, it's already pre-programmed to come back to five seconds after they time. Exactly. Yeah. So that made more sense to me the second time around. And then I was like, Oh, okay. Well that explains why they don't know that there's a problem yet. So that's cool. Yeah. I liked that. I like, I like the time travel. Time travel makes movies better. Always. I've said said this for years. So they put together the, the infinity stones into a sweet ass iron man gauntlet that can fit anybody just nano nanotech dude can fit on iron man can fit on hulk can fit on anybody and hulk uh takes the lead on this one despite thor's uh, insistence on wanting to do it and thor or excuse me tony says to hulk you know just bring everybody back don't change anything else just bring back who was snapped and hulk snaps his fingers of course, it totally wrecks his arm. They can't really tell if anything's changed, but Scott looks out the window and all of a sudden there's just a hundred birds, or not a hundred, but there's a handful of birds <laughs> outside. And Scott takes that. Oh, it works. Yeah, there's it must have worked. Birds. Thankfully, we also get Barton gets an immediate phone call immediate from his phone wife. Call, yes, 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 yes. Um, by the way, the I thought the the photo that they like had for her like caller ID was kind of funny because she wasn't even like looking in the camera. <laughs> it was yeah. like I don't know. She looked kind of like cross eyed. I was like, you can't take a better photo for like the caller ID. Like I don't know. It just starts it's me probably as like I'm going to use this photo of you for my caller ID for you. And she was like, no, I don't no. Like that one. Too late. Too late. This is what I'm going to see when you call me, babe. <laughs> That's what I think is going to happen. So <laughs> it works out. They snap their fingers, but you got past Nebula in the future, who then calls Thanos back. Oh, wait. We skipped over one part that I do want to talk about. We'll come back to this. When... um. Hank Pym shows up in the 70s. Oh, yeah. When you get Michael Douglas, you get a fun little Easter egg of the old Ant-Man helmet on his desk. That really cumbersome looking ugly helmet. Yeah. I loved it. It was very fun. I was hoping that that we were going to see it on him. Like when I saw it, I was like, oh, is he going to put it on? (laughs) Oh, but no, he didn't put it on. (laughs) I really wanted to. It was so big. It looked like it fit the Kool-Aid man. (laughs) (laughs) That thing was huge. I loved it though. It was just so terrible looking. (laughs) It looked like somebody, like a cosplayer just dropped it off. (laughs) Like it's so, it was so funny. Okay. So ultimately Thanos, past Thanos makes it to future and just, just, just totally tears into the Avengers facilities ass uh, with all sorts of missiles, breaks everything up. Uh, people are spread everywhere. Hulk, Hulk is trying to hold the building up. Rockets trapped under rocks. War machine has to get out of his suit. Uh, Clint is just, who knows where Clint is, but luckily the gauntlet landed next to Clint. Um, and they're, they're trying to make their way out. Meanwhile, Thanos is just sitting outside the facility. And he says to uh, Nebula, get me the, go ahead and get me the, the gauntlet. I'll just yeah, sit right go here. Go get me the gauntlet. And that's a power move right there. He's just like, I'll sit right here. Yeah. She's like, what are you going to do? He's like, I'm going to wait. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. He just puts his little helicopter blade in the ground, puts his helmet on it, and just chills. He's playing with rocks in his hands. You gotta love it. Uh, some space dogs try to get Hawkeye. 
So there's the answer to that question. The the scene where he's pointing his arrow into the red hallway was in a lot of the trailers, and there was a lot of debate on who's he pointing his arrow at. I bet it's the abomination or something. <laughs> yeah, so it's a bunch of outriders. A bunch of outriders, a bunch of space dogs. Um well, let's cut to the chase. Ultimately, Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man spot that Thanos is just chilling out. So what do they do? They approach. Even though obviously it's a trap, they approach. Which leads to, I think, I was I was about to say the first and only fight sequence in the movie, but I forgot that Captain America fought himself. Yeah. So, okay. The second fight sequence in the movie, which didn't really hit me until this the second time I saw the movie, but there's there's no there's no real comic book action in this movie until the very end. It's true. But it's that good. Like you're that invested in the characters and how are they gonna fix this? Like that nobody's superheroing around, they're just doing a time heist and it's totally entertaining. Like it's just like perfect. Um, which gets into the big final battle. So I think for discussing the big final battle instead of just what happens point by point, because it's it's like a 40 or 30 minute battle. Yeah, it's crazy. 20 minutes at the very least. Let's just talk about our favorite parts. That sounds good. Okay, so uh, my absolute favorite part of the entire thing is Captain America picking up Thor's hammer. Yes. It was the bomb. So Thor, Thor he, he, you know, he... He grabs both hammers, he hits them together, he gets that sweet beard braid, and he just tears ass into Thanos. Of course, it doesn't work. Iron Man tries to stop him, it doesn't work. Captain America grabs that hammer, and I liked the shot because it shows Than or Thanos like trying to take out Thor, and it's just a shot of the hammer being lifted, just the hammer like coming off the ground. So it looks like it's floating, you know, like Thor's gonna grab at it and then it cuts to Captain America having it. And that was probably the most ape shit <laughs> my crowd went when that happened. Oh yeah. And I was the same too. I didn't cheer or really scream or anything during the screening. But when that happened, I went, Oh shit. <laughs> like it came out. It was like instinct. It was like when you hit your knee with a little hammer and it goes up. Oh shit. When he yeah, had I was it. like this, I was like, Oh my God. And, dude, Captain America just goes to town on Thanos with that hammer, man. Oh, yeah. He, like, like, he already knew how to, like, wield the electricity, the lightning. Like, he, he was a pro at it immediately. Yeah, man. I guess he's, he's worthy. He's just improvising stuff that Thor's never done. He's, like, hitting, hitting it with his shield with it and just, like, oh, man, it was so cool. Yeah. And, like, Thor's on the ground and he raises his hammer and just strikes lightning on him. Like, it was just good man (laughs) that's definitely one of my favorites too another favorite of mine is uh of course um captain mar uh, captain mar captain america is he's standing up and he realizes that it's basically just him now Mm -hmm. against uh the entirety of thanos and his armies Mm -hmm. and it's just a massive amount of of uh of like military force that he's going to have to go up against. And just when he's about to face them alone. And by the way, I was really hoping in that moment that he was going to say his classic infinity gauntlet line where he talks about as long as there's one person left standing, blah, 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 you'll never win or something like that. I like, thought that was going to happen. Cause they had that cutaway shot 
or that wide angle shot of Spano standing there and Captain America. Yeah. There. I thought for sure it was going to happen. And yeah. it did not, unfortunately. But um, in that moment, you hear on your left. Oh, no. First, it, it's um, doesn't he say something like, Cap, can you hear me? It's Sam. Sam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And then he says, on your left. And it's such an, uh, a, a poetic moment. And that's, that's honestly one thing I felt like this movie was full of was poetic moments, um, like big payoffs, things that were like buried deep in older movies and suddenly brought forth into this one. But um, we get our first portal that opens up. And of course, it's, uh, it's uh, Okoye and um, Shuri and, and uh, T'Challa, Black Panther, and they're ready to fight. And then suddenly all these other portals open up. And it is just the most epic like family moment of like everyone coming out of the woodworks to help out. Everybody, man. Yeah. They, Spider-Man, yeah. come swinging in. Oh, man. Black Panther and Spider-Man got the biggest cheers from the audience when they came back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, yeah the, the Guardians got a big a big cheer for us, as well as Spider-Man especially. Um, uh, we see, of course, uh, Scarlet Witch and Wasp and pretty much everybody. And uh, that's, that whole scene was just so cool. Uh, Doctor Strange appearing. Of course, he's the one who's bringing all these. Uh, and to, to see the his powers have just they're just like exponentially amazing in every movie he's doing things that he wasn't doing before. Yes. That's why I was super stoked for the next, this movie. He doesn't even have the time stone anymore, like around his neck. Like he's without that power. So it's just him. Like it's just the sorcerer Supreme without all that extra stuff. And he's conjuring everyone to show up. I just love that moment. And then everyone, once they're all there, once they're all there and they're all lined up and they're all ready to fight, we get the classic two-word um, call to arms that we have wanted to hear for this entire 22 movie situation, and that's Captain America shouting, Avengers, assemble. Well, he shouted half of it. <laughs> then he said, assemble. <laughs> I was like, man, he must, it must be super quiet on that battlefield. <laughs> everybody heard. Everybody heard. Oh, and uh, just for the eagle-eyed viewers... Or if you're going to go back and see uh, Endgame again, which I'm sure you are, in that uh, big final battle scene, also keep an eye out for the Outriders from Guardians of the Galaxy and Howard the Duck is in there too. So just keep an eye out. It's a real blink if you miss it. Um, the Ravagers, the mean, right? What did I say? Outriders? Yeah, yeah. Ravagers. <laughs> it's getting late, you guys. It's almost 10.30 at night. Um, but yes, 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 the Ravagers are there too. Um, so there, there was a lot of really cool callbacks. In oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, Spider-Man's kill mode. Like, that was a perfect little callback. Yes, that was a perfect callback. I also really liked the hug um, between Tony and, and Spidey. Uh, mm-hmm. To have that finally happen, that was a, an actual hug hug. It wasn't like Tony reaching over and opening the door, and there was that fun thing in, like, Homecoming. Like, it was a legit hug. He was so glad to have him back. And honestly, that was a big motivator for why Tony even helped out in the first place to get that time travel thing working out was to get, uh, to get Peter Parker back. So, mm-hmm. um, so that just felt perfect. Uh, I love to see that. Um, I actually was a little bit shocked that there weren't more deaths overall in this movie um, based on like all the heroes. 
I was a little surprised considering the stakes being what they were. But I will say that there were so many moments in this movie that had tears welling up in my eyeballs. I don't know. Were you, were you in the same boat? Did were you feeling like the 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 emotions of this movie? Uh, you mean like when the A Force showed up? Like, oh man, the A Force. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. So I mean the. So we'll cut to the the end. Yes, let's do that of the battle. So ultimately, it comes down to Iron Man and Thanos. Thanos, actually, I want to I want to point out one more tiny little moment that I like. So finally, Captain Marvel comes back out of nowhere and just like destroys Thanos' ship. <laughs> just like get the ship out of here. Goes after Thanos and just grabs his hand. Thanos is, has the gauntlet on at this point, and she just like is pushing his hand back. It looks like she's gonna break his fingers almost. And Thanos headbutts her, and it's just nothing. Like bam, <laughs> and she just looks at him like, "Come on, man, I got short hair now. What are you thinking?" And so he takes off the pa- the power stone and blows her away with it. Um, and that's when Doctor Strange signals at Iron Man number one, referring to the one, the only one way this is going to work, which sort of tricks, or not tricks, triggers Tony Stark into realizing what needs to happen. So Tony Stark goes and grabs the glove, fight, struggles with him a little bit, easily removes the, the, the Infinity Stones because it's Stark tech and you can just assume he knows how to get the stones out. And well, he, probably already, he probably had already built in a, uh, a feature for a that. A fail safe or yeah, something. Totally. Yeah, just in case. Um, and equips the the Infinity Stones himself and says, well, Thanos says to him, you know, I am inevitable. And Tony gets the, the Infinity Stones and says, I am Iron Man and snaps his fingers and dusts Thanos and his crew, everybody involved. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh my God. So epic. So epic. By the way, leading up to that, there was uh, that pretty awesome uh, girl power team up. Yeah, that's the A Force, dude. Oh, that, that's what you were talking about? The A Force? Yeah, that's, they have a, um, a comic series called A Force. Oh, I, I, I didn't know what you were referring to. Uh, that. That's okay, man. That's okay. I, you're not woke like me. It's <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> but yeah, see. all I, the girls yeah. showed up for that one. That was pretty fun. I like that. Yeah, I liked it. it it's, it's, it felt a tiny bit ham-fisted, yeah. but I, was, I, I did like it. Don't get me wrong. Let's see. Check it. Here you go. You can't see what I'm showing Shaw right now, but I'm showing them. Oh, yeah. You're a, right. All the female heroes together. Yeah. It's a, it's a newer series. So yeah, yeah. We had, uh, we had Valkyrie and Wasp and um, Gwyneth Paltrow's uh, Pepper Potts even suited up as Rescue. Uh, so we got to see Rescue and Scarlet Witch and Shuri and all of them, all of them, all of them. Of course, helping out Captain Marvel. Um, yes. Yeah, so I just hit me too that we never pointed out that Korg was also in the battlefield, but Korg and Meek are in their fighting. So yes, look out are. for them. They're going, hey man, want to join the revolution? <laughs> um the were you expecting tony stark uh or iron man to die in this movie no as a matter of fact i made a very bold claim uh several episodes ago where i said tony stark and captain america will not die <laughs> i said i don't i bet you they're gonna 
Just not kill either one of them. But they only did half. They killed Tony. Yep. Now it was it was a valiant death, though. Yeah, I did think that Iron Man was going. I thought, and every and every turn, especially with all the poetic moments, I was like, oh yeah, they're they're building to this. It's going to happen. Oh well. Upon my second viewing, it turns out they're like foreshadowing him dying like two or three times. Yeah, (laughs) but that I didn't pick up on the first. (laughs) Um, But it was very epic and appropriate, and he would definitely do that. It was very in character for him, considering all the leading um, moments from previous movies where he watched as everyone else died, and he was the one who stayed was survived those moments. So he needed to be the one to make the hard call to lay on the wire and let the other guy walk over him. That's yeah. Cap would say. Just cut the wire. Just cut. I'd cut. <laughs> um, so we do get to unfortunately say goodbye to, uh, to Tony Stark. And it was a, a pretty uh, sad moment. I definitely had tears in my eyes. Um, as uh, I didn't, as Spidey, my allergies were kicking in. <laughs> <laughs> as Spidey was uh, saying, we did it. We did. It was very much a role reversal. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, then of course, uh, Pepper Potts saying, it's okay, you can rest now. And then he's pretty much out for the count. So um, that little funeral scene was uh, was pretty great. You got to see everybody. Uh, by the way, um, did you catch this, that Doctor Strange in that funeral scene is pretty much motionless? Like he almost looks like a cardboard cutout. Yeah, he's just standing there hold, like with his hands down. It made me wonder if maybe they just superimposed him into the scene that maybe he wasn't able to be there that day for filming or something like that. Cause it really, he wasn't moving at all at all. And all the rest of them at least had a little bit of like shifting um, back and forth or breathing. Like he didn't, he wasn't breathing. He wasn't blinking. Maybe uh, he was like off in the astral plane. He's like boring. <laughs> <laughs> he just left his body and just went off and did something. He's like, the sanctum re- remains unguarded. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we got to see a lot of characters, including uh, the little kid from Iron Man 3. Mm-hmm. Him again. So that was cool. We got to see. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Nick Fury. Nick Fury showed back up. Mm-hmm. So that was really nice. Happy Hogan. Good to see him. Uh, and there was just some really fun character interactions. And then let's, uh, I guess let's talk briefly about the Captain America returning the stones scene. So yeah, they send uh, Captain America back in time to return the stones and they will bring him back five seconds later, but they say, Cap, take as long as you need. We'll just bring you back in five seconds. And they push the button and Cap is not back in five seconds. Rhodey, or not Rhodey. No, it is Rhodey. He immediately starts yelling at the Hulk, like, come on, get him back. I'm doing what I can. Uh." (laughs) But (laughs) Bucky's like, look over there. And there's an old man sitting on the bench. Now, at first, I thought maybe it was depowered Captain America because you're just sort of seeing him from far away. I'm like, oh, man, I don't know how that would work, but he doesn't have his powers anymore. But I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah, he didn't look like an old man from like the back. It was hard to really tell. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I also really liked prior to his caps uh, heading off and doing that stone replacement situation. He and Bucky had a cool moment where they pretty much reversed their lines um, that they had said in Captain America: First Avenger, where there was like, um, he said, I was going "Don't do anything stupid. Don't yeah. do anything stupid. Yeah, don't do anything dumb." I can't. You're bringing all the stupid with you. Yeah. yeah. So like they flipped that around. That was fun uh, to, to see that. You could tell that Bucky knew all along that he was not going to see 
his his friend again, uh, at least not in the same capacity. So, because uh, Bucky was probably thinking that's what I would do. Right, <laughs> I'm in the same situation as you. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So we uh, Sam. Uh, Wilson walks over and just to check and see who this old dude is sitting on the bench and finds out that it is in fact, Steve Rogers, old man, Steve. That's right. And they did an impressive job on that aging, uh, both makeup and CGI. He looked perfect. He looked just like what I would imagine Chris Evans will look like as an old man. Yeah. For a moment, I thought they cast a whole new actor Yeah, for, for a hot second. But then it sort of sunk in. I was yeah. like, oh man, they did a really good job on that. I was really work. impressed with that. Yeah, that was, that was some awesome technology. Um, even his delivery as like an old man, like talking, like it, he really nailed it uh, as far as like his interactions. And his gestures too, just very subtle. Oh but. yeah, yeah. It was very muted, very um, deliberate. I liked it. Um, but in a sense, the long story short, he pretty much, uh, he blew past his... Uh, his exit so that he could um, fulfill his days uh, back in the forties with Peggy Carter. So pretty much while he is also frozen in the ice, he's also living the quiet life with his old flame. So that's right. That's that's right. He finally got to dance and finally, presumably did it with the girl. That's right. Good for him. No longer a virgin. Good job, Good job boy. <laughs> also, he hands the the mantle of Captain America off to Sam Wilson, which is a unique development considering Disney TV or Disney Plus is going to have uh, a series called The Falcon and Winter Soldier when the Falcon is actually supposed to be now the Captain America. So, Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Here. I'm looking more forward to that actually yeah. because of this. So, um, so yeah, well, we have that going down now. Uh, tell me about this one, one Rob, because I thought about this immediately leading up to him, uh, taking the stones back to replace them. The first thing I thought of was that he, if he's going to have to return the stones, that means he's going to have to visit Vormir mm-hmm. and interact with the red skull. <laughs> like, how's that? Oh, yeah. Gonna- like, how is that not going to be an interesting exchange? <laughs> You're right. That never occurred to me. And then I thought to myself, well, if he has the ability to return the soul stone, then shouldn't he also be able to get a uh, soul for a soul? If he's going to give back the soul stone, shouldn't he be able to get Nat back alive again? Like, isn't that kind of how that works? Or well, maybe because he didn't give up Nat. Hawkeye gave up Nat. So maybe if Hawkeye went back. Yeah. So... Yeah, that's or I, I, I think he probably just showed up on that planet and went huh, through it and then just, <laughs> it's, back. it's just floating in the water right now. Yeah. Here you go. You can have it. Bye. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> uh, there's some like weird guy with like a cape and stuff. And he seems to know my dad's name, but <laughs> I got to go. Man, that's such a good observation. I didn't think about how I just, I thought that was such a missed opportunity to have that interaction, but that would have been a whole nother thing, you know? Yeah. So movies is already three hours. I know. I know. So, but part of me wished that there was some, some kind of acknowledgement or scene involving those two, uh, which would have been cool. But uh, it would have kind of got in the way of Steve's overall story arc kind of closing out. So I understand why they didn't do that. Yeah. But that yeah. was an interesting moment for me. I kind of took that. I was like, what? And that's the end game. You guys, 
That's did, you, uh, did you stay around for the past the credits, by the way? Yeah, I'm, I stayed through the credits because despite there being stories that there weren't any end, end scenes, I was like, there'll be, an, there'll be an end scene. Of course, there wasn't. There was just uh, a very neat audio sort of cue slash callback uh, clanking, hammer clanking against metal. Yeah. Uh, the sound of Iron Man building his Iron Man suit from Iron Man 1, or at least that's what I took away from it. I recognized it right away. I was like, oh, it's Iron Man. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I thought the same thing. So I'm right there with you, pal. And um, I, I thought it would say something like the Avengers will return because they always do something like that, but they didn't have that little stinger there either. So just, uh, just the Marvel Studios logo and that's it. We stayed an extra 10 minutes for nothing. <laughs> I did not do that the second time around. Nope, I, I got up the second time and everybody <laughs> looked at me like I was an idiot. I was like, you'll see. The IMAX nope. theater I actually went to uh, right by the ticketing booth. It even had a sign saying there is no end credit scene after Avengers Endgame. Like, so nobody's encouraging people not to stick around. So well, yeah, probably they because they had so much to clean up. Yeah, and they're they're doing showings every 15 minutes. <laughs> um so all in all you know we've we've done uh some mcu rankings and we'll do a, a more official one later but where would you say endgame falls for you in uh, the general mcu i mean right now it's my favorite yeah me too. Uh, it could be because it's the newest one there was so much hype building up to it and i was looking forward to it so much and i feel like my high expectations were met I got what I wanted out. I got Corgan Meek back. I got Tony Stark dealing with a raccoon. I got more Thanos. Like I got really everything that I really wanted out of the movie. So right now I'm going to call it the best of the best. Of course, when we get back to the, uh, the official ranking algorithm of the movies, maybe that'll change once we've sat on it for a while, but right now, boom, it's at the top of the list, brother. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you. I loved it. I actually re-ranked my movies after I saw it on Letterboxd and I got an uh, end game right at the top of the list. So I freaking adore this movie. I can't wait to see it again. I'm going to probably wait about a week or so and see it with uh, Shaf Cat and uh, get her. Oh, take yeah. Don't let her get spoiled. Oh yeah, I don't think she's <laughs> I don't think she's uh, getting spoiled on anything. I haven't told her anything, so All right. um been keeping my mouth shut. Boom. <laughs> so uh yeah, that's our that's our episode, folks. Thanks so much for sticking with us. Um a happy Game of Thrones day for all of you. We were recording this on Sunday night, uh following the events of episode three of Game of Thrones. So if you guys saw that episode, holy crap. If you haven't seen it. Holy crap. Um, but yeah, so we have uh, that to look forward to for the rest of that season. We've got some great episodes in the works. Also in the near future, we'll be taking some time out to talk about the upcoming Phoenix Fan Fusion event that's going to be coming around late May uh, because we were lucky enough to uh, get some press passes for this particular event. And we're going to be part of the media, bringing you all the, all the good news. So we're going to talk about some of the things you can expect from uh, the Phoenix Fan Fusion. So, noise, noise. So, with that, we thank you so much for tuning in and please continue to do so. Same geek time, same geek channel. We'll see you later, everybody. I love you. Please subscribe and review. <laughs>
gracious. It still smells like pizza in my office. It's making me want to throw up, but that pizza was so good. But guess what? I'm going to have diarrhea tomorrow. <laughs> if not tonight. If not right now. Oh, man. I have to take a diarrhea break <laughs> during the show. During the social media promo. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, diarrhea. <laughs>